In accordance with our ethic of this being about people and not just about an issue, um, I've asked three of our sparkers to simply share their story. So wherever you guys are in the room, we're going to invite up Jeff Churn, Alester Allen, and John Signorino to come on forward. Let me say a couple quick things, and then we'll get to the interview. They really don't want to be here right now. Um, I made them do it, so they're very uncomfortable with this particular position. But here's what I love about these uh, very kind people is that even though they don't want to be, they said yes because uh, they wanted to participate in the conversation. So I'm deeply grateful to you guys for that. So I'm gonna, we're just going to have a conversation. Yeah, no, it's just pretend we're back at Starbucks or at the house and we're just chilling out. And, uh, nobody listens to me at those times. <laughs> uh, give us your name, uh, occupation, and why are you here? My name's John Signorino, and uh, I'm a retired uh, deputy fire marshal. However, uh, my uh, former employer doesn't know that. They called me back to work after about 10 years off. So I'm a deputy fire marshal again. And um, what was the last part? And why are you here? Why am I here? You Maybe. talked me into it. Okay, yes. sounds good. So, yeah. <laughs> Introduce yourself and uh, a little bit of your background. What are you doing? And so, hello. Uh, my name is Alester Allen. Uh, I am currently doing my PhD in chemistry at UC Santa Cruz. And I'm here because I think this issue is important because I got married to a guy at some point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, I'm Jeff. I am a software developer at Yahoo. Don't laugh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm here because Pastor Kevin asked me and I think it's an important issue and I should share what I have on my mind if it's useful. Okay, okay I'm going to start with uh, you guys. Can you share with us uh, just briefly a little bit of background, where you grew up, and what kind of religious, maybe, upbringing um, that entailed, and, and a little bit of your testimony, maybe how you guys became Christians, and a little bit of that. Okay, so I guess I'll start. Uh, so, for me, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, so, Alabama as a whole is pretty uh, conservative. Um, everyone is nominally Christian, um, so I grew up going to church. Um, Let's see. I think what really uh, made faith really important for me is that um, there were a bunch of matriarchs in my family, um, a couple of older aunts that really uh, believed in God and really were passionate about um, Jesus and, and reading the Bible. And so for me, I realized if their passion for God sustained them through like really hard times, that that was a God that I wanted to have in my life because my life is going to be a lot less hard, but uh, if it's worked for them, I think it would work for me. And so that kind of really brought me to um, keeping God through a time where I thought, um, in high school, where, when I was coming out for myself, uh, when I thought that it would be really hard, um, it really, I wanted to hold on to that um, and keep that tension in my life uh, of, of really pursuing God because I knew that um, he would eventually sustain me, I believed. Awesome. Jeff? Where where'd you go up in your, a little bit of your faith journey and story? Sure. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, as a kid, I went to a Chinese megachurch 
that was like all Chinese people, like two or three thousand people, and did the Sunday school thing. Uh, we were supposedly non-denominational, but now I realize we do have a denomination. Effectively, it's called evangelical. And I think in the middle of high school, when I was coming out to myself, I basically stopped going to church because I figured, well, if I'm on the wrong side of God, what is the point? Why would I go anyway? Um, I eventually went back because there was this very loving family in my neighborhood who would take me to youth group. Um, and very similar thing in, in college, I would become atheist and then come back alternatively several times. And each time it would be because there were some very loving, faithful people uh, in my community around me. Um, would you guys, uh, you, Jeff, you alluded to it, would you, and both of you actually alluded to it. Would you mind sharing a little bit? I mean, there's a lot of people in this room that have no idea what it means to come out. Would you mind sharing a little bit of what, what is that and what was that like, in, especially in your context? And just give us your story of what you experienced in that journey. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I guess I'll break the ice. Uh, so for me, uh, coming out is a multifaceted process. One is coming out to yourself. Um, the other is coming out to friends and then family. So it's kind of like you start feeling out who's safe to talk to, and then you talk to those people. And so um, it's, very, it's very hard because coming out to yourself is really, for me, was filled with a lot of anger and realizing that I was different and um, just feeling unloved because I was different. Like my mom always told me that I was like the perfect child and I always thought I'm not the perfect child because I'm gay. <laughs> um, and so that was hard for myself. And then once I actually did come out to myself and come out to my friends, then I basically started looking for a boyfriend and I found a boyfriend in high school and then that came out to my mom and then I had to come out to her and I came out to her as being like bye but she ended up still crying for like three three weeks to a month my, my sister's back there laughing <laughs> because it was it was the worst it started a, a year-long basically fight with my mom and, and we had a really good relationship before that and um and then you go to college, and I came all the way out to California, and then it's starting all over again, finding that safe community that you can talk to about it and, and come out again. Um, and so it's just a lifelong process of, of, of sharing a really hard, difficult thing and, and looking for people that will accept that. So you're constantly having to come out. I mean, this is a never-ending journey, right? I mean, wherever you go, whatever community you're a part of, that's something that will be a part of your life yeah, for a long time. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, I guess coming out was first realizing that I was different in that way. Um, and it's like a terrible experience because I don't know if kids still do this, but when I was in middle school and high school, kids call each other gay all the time, and it was the worst thing to be called. And it, I felt, no, I can't let them be right. That's not fair. Uh, why, like, I'm definitely not choosing this, but it's turning out to be this horrible truth about myself. Um, what else do you want me to say about that? <laughs> well, can you share a little bit about, uh, in addition to elementary school, you shared family. What was your family journey like? And then, for both of you, church. So you have the family journey, and then you have the church journey. Uh, the family journey didn't start until much later. Uh, my parents were divorced. My family was dysfunctional and a mess, so they were not a safety net. I couldn't really talk to them about anything. Uh, I came out to a couple of good friends in high school, 
uh, but that was about as far as it went. In college, it wasn't an issue until I met this guy and fell in love, and then it was starting the whole issue all over again. Um, oh shoot, I fell in love with a guy, what am I gonna do? Um, and combined with school stress and everything uh, made me almost jump off a bridge my fifth year of college, my first year of master's degree, which caused me to have to be put into a mental hospital for a week. One of my roommates, who was my roommate at the time, is back there <laughs> and is thinking, oh my gosh, I wanted a chill year, but it had so much drama. Anyway, as a condition to me being released early, I had to tell at least one family member. So I, I called my mom, and she flew out here from New Jersey, and I explained to her why I was in that hospital. So that was coming out to my mom. Then I told her, oh, I'm dating a guy. And she said, oh, great, except I would prefer if he was a Chinese boy. He, that'd be better. Um, it's OK that you're gay, but I don't like that he's black. <laughs> uh, and so she. She was just very negative and not supportive about that. Um, I'm not going to continue ranting, but that kind of put the brakes on my coming out to my the rest of you know my dad as well for five additional years because one parent at a time, this is difficult, and well, one parent stalled and it didn't proceed. Uh, coming out to my dad was actually easier. Uh, at that point, I felt like I had nothing to lose and everything to gain in terms of you know, connecting to my family and being connected to their history. So I left a DVD in my dad's car, which uh, it was a movie called The Wedding Banquet. I don't know if people here know about it. It was a movie he had shown us uh, when I was a teenager, and it's about a Taiwanese-American gay man in New York City and how he's hiding it from his parents and has to stage this whole fake wedding to get them off his back. Anyways, I dropped that DVD in my dad's car with a post-it on it, and he basically figured it out, what I was trying to tell him. <laughs> uh, coward's way of coming out, maybe. Not face-to-face, -face, but it got the job done. Um, he's been pretty supportive, hasn't said anything bad, and just had a ton of questions for um, my life and what I'm hoping for out of life and just whether I'm happy. So okay, that went I, well. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, if you would permit me maybe a little bit more an invasive question. I, I think some of, the, some of the things that are said um, around this conversation is, okay, that's great, but why do, you have to, why do you have to come out? Why do you have to share? Why can't you just be you? Can you maybe share your perspective on why this is important uh, to the conversation and why sharing publicly now is important to the conversation when the, there's some voices that say, you know, I don't want to hear about it, you know. In fact, I, I can imagine that some people are even uncomfortable even with the idea that there are gay people in the world, right? Um, and they don't even want to uh, have that conversation. So from your perspective, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, why is, why is, that, why is that important to you? Um, why is that important to the conversation? Well, I guess the, the conversation, just to clarify for myself, is the conversation within the church, um, if that's what you're intending. And so I, I feel like with that, honestly, the church is, has a reputation as being stodgy and outdated and not really relevant, but I feel like it still is. There's still a lot of good things um, that really keep me coming back every Sunday and just to learn. Um, and so because of that, I feel like there's a lot of things that 
we miss as a broader church community, and that big thing is that Jesus came for the marginalized, that he wasn't here for the majority um, of people. And so, honestly, the LGBT, being an ethnic minority, um, a lot of those things are, are marginalized people groups. And as a church, I feel like we should be looking for those marginal groups actively and, and really trying to understand what's going on and how to empower those people. Yeah. Jeff, did you want to add to that? Could you clarify your question again? I'm not sure which direction you're trying to go. Well, it was one of the directions was what Alester alluded to, is that why is this conversation important for the church? Because um, there's a lot of things that I think the church needs to learn and understand. Um, but part of my question, too, is there's still, I think, a lot of resistance, even within the church, of even wanting to, like, I don't want to hear about your sexuality. I don't want to hear that you're gay, you know, a lot of that kind of resistance. Um, but yet it's still important to share. It's still important to tell your story. Um, it's still important to make sure that you let people know. I mean, you're here to let people know. So why is that, why is that important to share that story from your perspective? I think it's important because it's a part of who I am. Uh, it could be a small part. There's many other identities that I have, such as engineer. I love science. I'm very nerdy. I love games. Uh, I like, I'm learning how to fly a plane. All these other things that excite me and are a big part of who I am. Um, but also, who I am looking for to be a partner and companion in life, probably one of the most important things, one of those major hopes in life, that's also a part of it. And having to suppress that or not being able to share that means I can't be true to who I am on the one hand, and on the other hand, the group or community that I'm part of, if I don't share that with them, they can't truly know who I am either. So I think that's why it's important. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, uh, last question, then I'll move to John. Um, I, when we got together, I asked you guys about, so what is your relationship with this Bible, this text that you both love and you know you read and you're committed to. Um, and Alester, you had a really uh, wonderful reply that I would love for you to share if you remember a little bit of what you shared, your relationship and your journey with this Bible that you read. Uh, so I think what you're mentioning is, um, essentially my background is the Bible is taken for literally what it says. And that's one of the harder things about having a conversation with my, my mom and my extended family is they quote, the Bible says, and even for myself, that's hard to defend because yeah, the Bible does say that man shall not lie with man, you know, et cetera. Um, and so there's this tension I guess I have with the literally what the Bible says and like you were going into earlier today, the context and what it actually mm -hmm. means and what value we can, what, what, you know, what things we can pull out and extract from, from the text. And what I really love about Spark is that you go in with, an, uh, with questions and we, we talk about Genesis and we get like the background, the history, and we learn that, you know, Genesis may have been, you know, literally the world was created day one, day two, day three, or Genesis may have been this really cool story that really describes how um, God created us and that we were good, you know? So there's like a, a lot of a rich, uh, yeah, a rich context, a rich story that you can get from, from reading the Bible by taking it from, from more, by you know, assuming that there's more layers and digging in. Um, yeah, and so that's a little bit about, I guess, to answer the question. Um, and, and funny story is for our relationship, 
Um, after or my sophomore year, I think I was at home and I was feeling kind of stifled and I ended up, you know, Facebook texting Jeff and being like, hey, you know, home sucks, talk to me. And then I, we ended up coming out and he came out to me and then the next year we were like, hey, let's get together and read the Bible. Let's read Romans and figure out what it means. And then instead of reading Romans, we just ended up hanging out. And that's kind of how our relationship started. No, no, no. We read Romans 1 and it was so depressing that we stopped and we missed Romans 2 verse 1, which would have flipped the table on everything. Uh, at the end, I'd love for you guys to just share maybe a closing thought or a piece of advice or something like that. Um, thank you guys so much for sharing. By the way, we love you, and we're so glad you're here. Um, you, you've taught me so much, and I really appreciate your presence in our church. I just want to make sure you know that. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> uh, okay, John. <laughs> yes. yes. John, uh, would you mind sharing a little bit of your story? Go back. Uh, you have a wife, and you have children. Um, just give us a little bit of that. Give us some of the data, and then I'm going to ask you about uh, Nicole, if that's okay. Sure. Um, yeah, he's right. I am married. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, we got married right out of high school. I was 18. Karen was 19. And... Uh, uh, we uh, uh, waited about three years to have our first child. That was Nicole. And uh, a couple more before we had the second one. And uh, we've always lived in this area, by the way, always in the Bay Area. And um, uh, pretty normal stuff going on in our house through most of our family life. Uh, until... Well, be before you get to the till, uh, what kind of religious uh, background or religious setting home life? Ah, before marriage. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. I should have asked that before. Uh, well, it was interesting. My uh, father uh, was always uh, uh, very strong uh, Catholic, if you can accept strong to mean that we, we went to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, those kind of things that you expect. And uh, my mother was Protestant, and so the kids were kind of caught in the middle a little bit. We didn't go to church much uh, uh, well, I don't remember my father going to church much, except maybe those couple of holidays. And when we went with my mother, we'd go to a Protestant church someplace. I don't remember which ones. And uh, uh, when I got to be a teenager and was in high school, uh, of course, my friends had churches they went to and would invite me to them. And um, my, uh, my father wasn't real excited about that. He really didn't want me to go. And for a while, he, he just wouldn't let me. And then eventually he softened a little bit and um, so I managed to, uh, to stay on the Protestant side of things. I spent some time in the Catholic Church, but I just wasn't happy there. And uh, so I landed on the Protestant side. Okay. And uh, that's where I met uh, my wife, Karen, uh, in youth group, as you mentioned. Uh, it seems to have a pull for us. And so in youth group, I one day saw Sweetie Pie. And I know it's, this doesn't really work, but it was kind of love at first sight. Okay, it was infatuation. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, what else do you want to know? Okay, tell us about your children. And tell us about, well, I guess we'll kind of cut to the chase again. We're kind of limited on time. But tell us a little bit about your introduction to the issue of sexual identity and how that affected your family, if you wouldn't mind sharing that story. Well, I thought everything was, you know, pretty typical family stuff. Uh, and uh, I had no idea that uh, my daughter was gay and uh, uh, sometime around her 18th birthday, she came out to the two of us. I don't know much about her story before that, 
Um, she just never gave us any indication. I, I think it was a surprise for Karen, too. I don't think either one of us saw that coming. And uh, I think we spent the next, I don't know, one to five years in denial. You know, it's, uh, it's either a phase or it's, uh, um, it's something. We don't know what it is, but we'll, we'll pray about it, and, and eventually this will pass. Probably just needs to meet the right guy kind of thing. We didn't know what to make. We were not educated on the subject. Um, much like we've heard here tonight, I just I would read the same Bible you're reading, and I'd come up with the same kind of answers. The plain reading is this and that. And uh, I never had any uh, uh, pastors that brought up any other points, like uh, Romans 2. Um, so uh, we just kind of stayed there. Um, I don't think we discussed it much in the house after that. Uh, I don't have any recollection of it. What I do recall, though, is that... Uh, uh, it had to be very difficult for my daughter. I found out today when I talk about these things, it could get emotional. So uh, to my surprise, <gasps> breathing really does help. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know if there's that much oxygen in the room. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't speak for Karen. I wasn't the best father. Um, she probably needed support that I didn't give her. Went on like that for, uh, well, I was about 40 when, when she came out, and uh, uh, as a challenge, I went to GCN, uh, Gay Christian Network, uh, uh, a while back, Pastor. Oh, th- this was, but this is 25 years later. This is 25 right? years so, later, so what I'm saying is there's forward. a 25-year gap in which nothing improved, nothing actually changed. Um, the hard part for my daughter was... Uh, I couldn't relate to her, the people that she was in relationship with, and uh, I, I made it clear to her that I, I couldn't handle it if she showed affection in front of me with someone of the same sex. It was just, it was hard for me. Um, and so I, I could tell whenever she was with somebody that uh, she couldn't be herself, and that was really my fault. Uh, so there was a strain on her side, there was a strain on my side, is what I'm trying to say. Now, this is really, I think, really critical. You held this position for a long time, your stance, I suppose, if we can call it that. Tell us why. You've, you've articulated to me why it was important for you to hold to this position. I think that's important to voice that and, and to share. My wife would encourage me to patch up the relationship with my daughter. And uh, largely speaking, it was, it was love. That's not a bad thing. Love's a good thing. Uh, but I was, I was, um, the relationship was strained over theology, what I thought I understood the Bible to say. And I'm, I'm not about emotion, I'm about facts. And so I needed a theological argument to change my mind. It was theology that told me this was wrong, and it needed to be theology that told me it wasn't wrong, if it's not wrong. And uh, uh, I hadn't heard anything to change my mind. Um, and then what happened? Let's talk about maybe the drives in the car. So, so you, you hadn't heard anything that... I started going to church at Spark. That was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Thanks for the promotional yeah. plug. <laughs> we would have conversations about just about anything, and I've, I've always 
said that I was open to a conversation on anything. I, I could be wrong about anything. That doesn't mean I shouldn't believe what I, what I think the Bible says, but I could be wrong. So there's got to be some room for a conversation. So somehow the topic of sexual identity came up, and Pastor Kevin and Pastor Danielle seemed to hold a different opinion. Um, and uh, so we would have these conversations, and we wouldn't agree. And uh, what about this? What about that? And, and we'd go back and forth. Eventually, the two of them kind of issued a challenge. Why don't we go together to the Gay Christian Network one year and just see what happens? And, uh, I, well, it, we're at an impasse anyway, so why not? Let's try it. And that's what we did. Together. Together, you yes. We went, went together. together, the two of us. <laughs> and tell us what happened. Oh, gosh. Well, nothing changed on the way there. Um, <laughs> by the uh, way, the Gay Christian Network Conference is a, uh, a conference that is held by an organization called GCN, the Gay Christian Network. It's headed up by a guy by the name of Justin Lee. I'm going to mention him in my closing remarks. Um, it's one of those organizations that uh, is obviously very invested in this. So for those of you who don't know about the conference... Something I learned in the process from Pastor Kevin was he has this odd habit. He'll read a book on a particular topic, and then he re reads the opposing view. I've always thought that was crazy. It's just going to mix you up, right? And so, <laughs> so we had two books picked out ahead of time. We are supposed to read this one from this side of the argument and this one from this side of the argument. I decided to read the affirming side first because it was the most foreign to me. I thought I'd probably uh, everything in the other book would be familiar to me. And largely speaking, it was. And I, I can remember probably three things that were standout, so I don't keep you here all night telling you about GCN. Um, <clears throat> one was the, uh, the first night we were there, and I apologize, it's going to sound terrible to some of you. Um, I nothing had changed yet. It's just the first night of GCN. And we get there, and to my surprise, it's praise and worship. I didn't know peop gay people did praise and worship at, a, at an event like this. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I remember distinctly during this, they were talking about the Holy Spirit coming and filling this room. I apologize. I'm thinking to myself, why would the Holy Spirit be here? It's terrible. I apologize. Um, so that was the first thing that happened to me. Uh, I was very uncomfortable, and it stayed that way for uh, the beginning of the, the, the conference. And... Uh, the next thing that happened to me that made me very uncomfortable is uh, it didn't take long before I found myself kind of in this emotional turmoil. You know, you're starting to hear things that you never heard before, and you start have to consider these things. And to my dismay, he wouldn't stop asking me questions. Every time we go to lunch or we go to dinner, he's always asked, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about How do you feel? I just want to be left alone. I'm in emotional overload right now. <laughs> and he won't quit every time. <laughs> So I'm having to think about how I feel and deal with how I'm feeling and so forth. Um, that was the second thing that I remember well. The third thing, the culmination of the Gay Christian Network, is when I, I realized, yes, the, the Holy Spirit is really here. Um, uh, there, there was a speaker. Uh, her name is Vicki Beeching. I don't know if any of you know her. She's a singer. Um, and she gave this her, her life story kind of thing. And it was much like the, the other people, except for me, it was a little bit, hearing her perspective on it was very moving. Um, 
because of my daughter. Breathing. Breathe. You're doing good. You're doing great, John. At the end, the culmination of her story was, um, she said that, uh, listen, I love the Lord with all my heart, and I'm gay. Deal with it. <laughs> Yet another challenge, right? So that was kind of it for me. It was a very emotional thing for me. By that time, um, I'd read most of the uh, first book, the affirming book, and uh, I'd been through the conference. And, okay, one more thing that was kind of striking. I had no idea what gay people go through figuring out who they are. She explained it so well. And the, the turmoil and the difficulty you go through and, and, and the, the rejection and the difference that you feel. And, and uh, some of them talked about uh, being physically abused by other people uh, because they just hate gay people. Anyway, I just had no idea gay people went through so much in their life. John, thank you. My daughter's one of them. John, thank you for sharing. Um, Oh my goodness! I have so many other questions, but I don't want to abuse you too much, too much okay, longer. Breathing. You're breathing. You're, you're doing okay. Um, you talk about this change, and, and by the way, for me, um, you know, I, I know I've told you this. I'll say this now publicly. I, I just continually thank you for allowing me pretty much a front row seat to your journey. And I've never, in my entire life, seen somebody in, be so willing and humble enough to embrace, you know, like going to a place where you didn't even think the Holy Spirit was going to show up, to, okay, I'm open. And you even said, I might be wrong, I might be wrong, and just be willing, open to that, so I really appreciate it. You mentioned that, okay, now, what essentially, uh, philosophically or intellectually, had you come to? Because you say you're not doing this emotionally, you're doing this intellectually. Yeah, what it's very emotional, but that it couldn't was, be the decision. Right. But yeah. what, what intellectual place did you land? Um, and obviously land is not a great term because there's continual movement, but at what place did you land after GCN intellectually? What was your position then? Uh, GCN filled, the, filled in the, the knowledge gap, understanding uh, what, who gay people are, what they go through, how they feel. Um, and the one thing I didn't know going in, even for my daughter, is uh, it's not a choice. I don't know. It, unless I got it wrong, it's not a choice. Um, you grow up and you figure out this is who you are. This is how you feel. Um, everything I read in the Bible made it sound like it was a choice. All, all those things you read in, in uh, Romans 1, um, it just didn't look, it, it looked like it was a choice to me. And uh, I think it was the first time in my life I ever realized it's not a choice. Uh, this is just who you are. How you deal with it is up to you, but it, this is, it's not a choice. So that was, that was on the intellectual side. Uh, most of the conference was more emotional, uh, getting to know these people. And, and how do you not care about somebody once you get to know them, right? So, um, That's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the, the thing is, you said to me, if I was wrong on this issue, then what else did I get wrong? So in, in some ways that you would come to at least some sort of understanding or resolution with this, but for you, it was actually, it actually opened up some other problems. Is mm -hmm. that? Oh, yeah, it opened up big problems. But let me just back up real quick. Okay. The GCN filled the emotional side and the understanding of who these people are. Um, the books you tricked me into reading <laughs> filled, in, filled in the theological side. Uh, some of it I had to do on my own. I told Pastor Kevin between, well, while we were eating, that 
really, I got more out of his first two segments up here than I got out of both the books uh, in terms of being able to, to cope uh, theologically with this. Uh, um, but the books were a big help. Um, and uh, so at, I finished the first book while we were there, The Affirming Side, and uh, uh, the real, realization I came to wasn't that I had been wrong all these years, uh, at least not going from, from black or white on this side to black or white on the other side, is that uh, all of a sudden I realized I really could be wrong. I was convinced I was right going there and could accept that I might be wrong, but never thought that I was. And when I got there, I had to admit to myself at some point, um, it's not either black or white. There's a gray zone in There's potentially a gray zone. In other words, I'm not God, and I don't know if this is right or wrong. Uh, so I had to move it out of the black or white side and, and allow for some possibility of a gray zone, which meant now it changes everything for me. I, I, I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're right. Uh, it's a debatable matter, and we don't separate over it because it's debatable. Um, that may not work for everybody, but it, it, it got me over the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Theologically, I could say I might be wrong. It's, it's gray. And how's that working for you? I'm miserable. <laughs> um, it's hard. What, what he was alluding to earlier is that uh, after this, when I realized that I, that I probably made a mistake, that it's at least a gray area, an area that's, that's debatable that we should be talking about, um, it had, this part of Scripture it had been as black and white as any part of Scripture I'd ever read. I could not imagine actually being wrong on this. Always willing to talk, but what are the chances, right? Uh, and not just me. I mean, there's a gazillion people out there that felt the same way I did. And uh, how could that many people be wrong, I guess? I don't know. Uh, at any rate, but the point was is if I got this wrong, is there any part of Scripture I actually understand? Seriously, it was a crisis for me. Um, and for, for months, I just didn't know where to go. I was just lost in my faith. I still had my faith. There's some things I don't question. But uh, you couldn't ask me a question about anything in the Bible because I just didn't know the answer. I got this one wrong. I have no idea what the rest of the book says. And the reason why I appreciate you sharing that is because um, it is messy. It I mean, I was, when I have these conversations with people, coming to a con one conclusion, I, I, I think I alluded to it before, doesn't make it all nice and neat. Sometimes it actually creates more questions and more problems, and that's a little bit of what you're experiencing, right? Yes. And, I and the other, you the other one you're going to ask me is what happened after that, and then the kind of that it goes along with that is my, uh, my, my faith was based on the theological perspective uh, or what I understood the Bible to say, and uh, I, was, I was very afraid at that point, what if I'm wrong this time and not the last time, and now I'm turning my back on God? So I, I had kind of two things going on at right. once that were making it difficult. Right. And I haven't really, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm black and white on where, where I am in that crisis exactly. I'm a, I'm a bit more comfortable with it, I guess. It's okay. I'm, I'm okay not knowing that I don't know at all. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, and another thing I know you're going to ask me is, is it culminates in this. Uh, at some point, I realized that the whole experience, as painful as it was and still is, um, it, it made me, I think, from my perspective, I'm a better Christian because I not only now, uh, I still 
I'm still willing to talk about something, even if I'm if I think I'm right, it's just I don't really think I'm right anymore. So I'm more open to talking about things. I actually understand, yes, I not only can be wrong, I probably am wrong. So <laughs> it makes it easier for you to talk to people when you have differing perspectives. So um, awesome. thanks for proving me wrong. <laughs> stop it, stop it. Thank you for sharing. Okay, I want to give you, each of you an opportunity to share just like one last exhortation or a piece of advice or a summary of your story or something that you would like to encourage our congregation or even the visitors here um, based on your story, on your journey, or something that you think is important. And Alester, you had mentioned to me something that you think is really important for the church. You had alluded to that before about being about those who are marginalized and not about the majority, but about the minority and thinking about those people. So, Jeff, would you mind kicking us off? What, what would be like, here, you got an audience. What, what, how would you sew it up or a piece of advice or an exhortation or something that you think is really critical or important for us to understand um, about all of this? Why is it such a hard question? Um, the only thing that comes to mind is that, from my perspective, it seems that in the Bible, God often seems one that just prohibits things. But from reading Genesis and going through with uh, our pastors, it seems like God is actually a God of, like, huge variety and creativity and variation and that that's something that we can pursue um life is hard let's stop making it harder for people and help (laughs) (laughs) john well i really liked what you said in the the, uh, the talk about the talk and uh, the interpretation stuff. And uh, so if there's anything I can say, it's uh, uh, if you learn from my story, you, you need to not only be open to the fact you, can be poss- you might possibly be wrong, is, is try to find out if you are. Yeah. I should have started years ago when my daughter came out. And I didn't. Yeah. Awesome. I know that there's so much more. Um, you know, I would love to hear a little bit about how you guys met, and then, of course, your wedding, and then your reception, which was really awesome. Um, awesome know, because it was in their backyard. It was at our house. That <laughs> <laughs> was so fantastic. Um, so I know that there's a lot more, and um, I thank you guys so much for being willing to share. And I know that uh, they'd be open and willing to have further conversations or any questions that you have. So, okay. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. We made it. Thank <laughs> you.